Yes, guys, what's good? You're tuned into Pi Radio, Manchester's number one youth-led radio station. My name's Gaines, and welcome back to Mango Masala, the South Asian show. I'm joined here by Simran and Halima. How are you guys? Hey, guys. I'm very well. How are you? I'm all right. Just <sighs> I'm tired. Not, guys, but when am I not knackered? I know, yeah. And I believe our special guest has entered the chat. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Wait, who's who? Okay, I'm so Simran. Carlos, Simran, nice to meet you. Hello. Hi. I'm Halima. Halima, nice to meet you. Cool. Nice to meet you. Cool. So thank you for taking the time to um, join us today. I think it's been a bit in the pipeline, this talk that we're going to have. But like, obviously, you've been doing some great stuff. Um, and we're just going to get into that. Um, but yeah. first of all, for the people listening, do you want to just introduce yourself? Tell us a bit about you. Yeah, sure. So um, my name's Fam. Uh, my pronouns are they, them. And um from Hackney, born and raised. I'm in my 30s, if if that matters for anybody. Um, and just been working, I guess I've been working online for, I don't know how many years, I'm nearly coming up to 10 years or so. Um, my background is in marketing and videography. And yeah, and I guess I'm heavily connected to the queer community and more so more recently, like with the South Asian queer community. Mm -hmm. So obviously I've seen from your socials how much connected with that specific community you are, but how has your journey been? Because obviously you've just said now it's been quite a recent thing. So how were you able to actually find that community and become like such a key part of it yeah uh so actually i was um i guess i was more so in the soho queer scene um just like coming out and being okay and comfortable with myself and i guess finding people of color uh, or finding even politically um politically identifying like people in the gay and lesbian scene wasn't really that much back when I was out and about in Soho. Um, but then I met somebody that was Bengali and then they introduced me to a whole bunch of like other creatives that were Bengali. And then I met my mate Rahul, who we both uh, co-founded Queer, um, Odbud Queer Bangla together. So tell us a bit about that organization. Like what does it stand for? What does it provide any services? Is it just a place for people to come together? Like what's the key message behind it? Yeah, I think um, when, when we came up with the idea, it's just because we just, we always had so much banter and not even just me and him, but like even with just the uh, Bengalis that we were hanging out with, actually they're quite queer, you know? Um, and I guess they weren't so exposed to, like such queer identities like me and my friend and then just the banter was just like well why don't we just create something where queer Bengalis are represented um quite often in the south asian queer community or or just even south asian communities like the bengali voice and i'm just going to speak from the bengali perspective is like the i find that the bengali voice um is usually like quite erased or like um, I found it quite difficult to identify with um, desi, the term desi. Um, 
And so, yeah, just like to create a, a platform where other queer Bengalis can feel seen and validated um, and just like to have a space where we can just have a collection of, of awesome queer Bengalis. I mean, you don't have to be doing anything like huge or major to be recognized. Yeah. I really feel that. I like, I talk because I'm Bengali as well. And I talk all the time on the show, like specifically about that thing. Obviously like yours is in the context of kind of like, you know, of queerness, but I do speak a lot about how the Bengali voice is erased, silenced, forgotten a lot. Like, and it is a very, very political thing. Yeah, exactly. And and I and obviously, like, I'm we're speaking from being Bengali, right? But there are like, uh, I have Sri Lankan friends, friends who are Tamils, mm. friends who are Gujarati, and it's like, okay, is this desi conversation that you're having? Do we have to speak Hindi? <laughs> And it's yeah. like, mm-hmm. and there, there has been an occasion where somebody who was like leading a conversation and was like, well, if you don't understand Hindi, then you might as well just leave. And I'm just like, what is that about? It's yeah, elitist South Asian sort of thing. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, I think I think it's sick. I think it's sick that there's there's something specifically to speak because I mean, like identity has so many like layers right and like you can on one layer yeah you can say you are desi queer people but then also there's there your your experience will be different from say an indian queer person right because you are specifically bengali as well so yeah and the, it, the fact that it sorry go sorry i was just gonna say and it would differ if you're um from kolkata <laughs> yeah exactly because a lot of people from kolkata would identify with the indian identity so it's like it is very conflicting it's very conflicting yeah no but it's interesting though that that you guys have made an organization to serve that right to serve that like to to kind of try to answer that conflict in some like to have a face for it yeah Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's not like it's not like we're funded or anything so like the last event that we um i just did i i just thought it's been two years you know like covid and stuff um and you know, majority majority of my friends, well, a lot of my friends, based in Bangladesh, you know, they're having mm. struggles with being like openly queer and whatever. But they're still managing to have mm. events. There is the elite okay. class. There is the elite class in Bangladesh. Don't get me wrong. It's not as no, easy. I know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. It's not as easy, but it's also happening. Like it's still yeah. happening in in Bangladesh. They are able mm. to. Mm had their events because I guess I don't know the back by the right people or whatever but yeah in London space accessibility um mm. you know all plays a part yeah yeah do you feel like if what you're doing now had been available to you say um 20 15 years ago would your um life have maybe been a bit easier or you would have been able to like find your people earlier sort of thing um well it's funny you say that because my my first experience was my older sister actually took me to club carly and i think i was i think i was like 16 (laughs) so a little bit of underage stuff going on there but um, she just did it just to expose me to look there's a whole bunch of people that are like you yeah yeah and I didn't see that in Soho but mm-hmm. you know 
I saw it at specific nights. So there were specific nights and there have been specific nights. But what I would say that has changed accessibility is social media. <laughs> like, um, and also, and, and that has just pushed forward conversations at school, at homes, like even my nephews, the way they speak to my, my sister um, about like, you know, conversations at school about LGBT. Um, well, I mean, I don't know if they use LGBTQI um, acronyms, but they they have like the LGBT standard conversations in assemblies and what's bullying and whatnot, but they're still not talking about gender. So um, mm. I guess, yeah, that's, uh, so, but yeah, like, so, yeah. So, oh, sorry, go on. No, no, go for it, yeah. It was, it's a bit of a separate point, but just, when Carlos was saying that about um, you guys, how you think it would have impacted you, I think really what he was pointing to was a question about legacy, right? But then the way you answered it answered a question about lineage as well, which is, I think, interesting. Also relates back to what you were saying about the the kind of queer scene in Bangladesh and the fact that, and, and the erasure of voices. And we, someone would look at something like your organization and think, oh my God, it's so novel and it's so new. And maybe it is novel in the way that you guys are, I mean, you're you're loud and proud about it, right? But how, what would you say, like, would you say there are kind of certain political movements or organization? Because, I mean, queer Bengalis have been here, right? Mm -hmm. So, so really it's, there is a legacy that's created from your movement, but your movement is also part of a larger lineage of, of queer Bengali liberation movements. Would you say there is anything that might have like influenced or um, something that was like heavily impacted your guys's like um, politics or your activism or just community even? Um, you know what, this is, I mean, yeah, I think I did skirt around your question this, Carlos, <laughs> but, um, uh, no, no, I meant to say, sorry, I didn't mean to be like, oh, what? you answered the question wrong. No, like, no. It was interesting. It, it's really interesting when we think about, you know, things like legacy and lineage, because they're two sides of the same coin, really, aren't they? Yeah. Um, well, I guess, I guess personally, what I would say that changed my life massively was actually understanding my internalised racism and mm. then understanding my anti-blackness that I grew up with. And then that shifted in an entire politics in my head because actually, this is really messed up, but actually, well, I mean, we're understanding this now, right? What internalized racism means, essentially you're walking around believing that you can benefit from white supremacy. And I, I actually thought that I could. Um, and then when mm. I realized mm. how deeply screwed white supremacy is and how far deep it was like, in what's happening in Bangladesh and India and Pakistan right now, it changed everything for me in the way that I was having conversations and what types of friendships I was having. I lost so many white um, gay friends, um, mm. some POC friends as well, some Bengali friends that are still anti-black till today. Um, and I think that that's what like just pushed pushed me forward to find other people like me or like politically minded and stuff um mm. but yeah like that wasn't prevalent these sort of conversations were not prevalent at home were not prevalent at schools you just didn't talk about it yeah so how did you kind of go about 
addressing your own internalized racism once you'd identified that you had those kinds of like uh, stigmas in your mind already like you know just like preconceived perceptions of people based on their race how did you go about identifying it and then going about the route to reverse those thoughts and kind of like unlearn them um <laughs> it was it was um there was a lot of shame and a lot of guilt and then um and then realizing hang on a minute if white people can talk about um undoing racism why am i having such difficulty with this why am i having such difficulty understanding what cultural appropriation is um yeah it was serious interrogation um it was very uncomfortable but yeah like i i've never been happier and like cultivating like really meaningful relationships and people that are like minded yeah you don't need to be friends with like people that are like replicas replicas of you right but it helps mental health like massively <laughs> So I don't know whether I answered your question. Probably. No, no, yeah, definitely. <laughs> so if there are people out there, whether they're queer, whether they're POC, Bengali, um, non-binary, um, if they are in any, fit into any of those boxes or multiple, whatever, um, what advice would you maybe have for them in terms of not only coming to terms with their... Um, identity but also celebrating it that's a really that's a really hard question we're not expecting you to have all the answers by the way but just right yeah, 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 yeah i was just about to say hang on a minute i'm not a gatekeeper yeah 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 um, yeah, yeah yeah it is hard look i'm um this journey was not easy i i i technically like ran away <laughs> from home I, I got kicked out. I got kicked out. I was like ostracized, basically. Um, I was outed by, by by my brother, and that was not easy. So, like finding ways to accept yourself amongst all of that, like cultural oppression, racial, um, religious and racial oppression, like at home, the ways to be in school, at work, all of that stuff compounding. Mm with your own like identity i was so conflicted being british and bengali and suddenly muslim and gay and now non-binary i'm just like ha like it's a lot to navigate and finding friends or a community um where you know you can ask these questions and be inquisitive that really helps like um open yourself up and like just i guess um, can create avenues or like tools, places to go when you're in trouble or when you need like help to figure out what's the next move. What do I do? Do I leave home? How do I leave home in a healthy way? Or do I even need to leave home? Like, it's hard. It's hard. I think I think a lot of it, probably a lot of the conflict comes from the fact that so all of these like facets of your identity that you've just explained, you know, Bengali, British, Muslim, queer you know, the mainstream expression of certain parts of your identity, namely the fact that being, you know, Bengali Muslim would posit that those, that identity in opposition to your queerness. And, and I think probably a lot of the acceptance, you know, will just come from the fact that those things don't have to be in conflict, right? They're not in opposition. You're, you're both of those things or all of those things. All of those, yeah. Yeah, exactly. 
No, that's yeah, and cl- class has a massive thing to do with it as well, right? Because I was yeah. just thinking about this the other day. I was like, wow, like people like legit think that um, queer people are so cool, like can be however we want to be, and it's like it completely erases the the trauma, the massive amounts of traumas that we had to go through to get mm-hmm. to being comfortable how we are. It's like mm. there are a lot. I I am seeing a lot of cishet people like adopting um, the way that we are and making it cool or making money off from it, and it makes me upset. <laughs> like mm. that's quite hard. Yeah. Yeah, I think especially like there's been an influx of um, cis, um, het, heterosexual people adopting this certain adro- androgynous look which is then like it's it, like you're saying it's seen as oh that's that's cool like because they're doing it but then if someone who is actually part of the queer community was to do it or has been doing it for time that's not celebrated or even accepted in the same way so yeah 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 exactly i've got a question about so obviously being bengali as well i do understand how kind of some like violently homophobic you know the 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 community can be Mm. um how have you found you know how we just spoke a bit about kind of coming to that place of acceptance and understanding that both all all facets of your identity are true and in harmony with each other what kind of like could you talk a little bit about that journey about the kind of sometimes feeling the conflict of because me personally I feel like you know if I if I the Bengali community were shunning me so much for a certain part of my identity it would really make it difficult for me to resonate with that community you know um like like a lot of people are confused as to why is it that I'm still holding on to my Muslim identity Mm. um I've had um uh other Bengalis that have completely rejected Islam um, or Bengali Hindus that question, you know, how can you believe in a faith that, you know, wants to stone you to death or whatever. I'm just like, dude, that's not the religion. It's the people. Mm, the people, um, yeah. Yeah. And like, and if you, you know, if you if we want to get into the legalities of what's happening in Bangladesh, yeah, Section 377 is very much still alive. You are mm. subject to life imprisonment if you're caught being being gay. Um, I don't know to what extent does this apply to cis women, but mm-hmm. for, for sure, cis men. And it was mm-hmm. only recently that they that they accepted the hijra identity yeah. on passports mm. um, and yeah. on voting. Like <laughs> yeah. And um, it's crazy because it's so it's so entwined with the history of like Bengal and Bangladesh, right? Like it's yeah, that thing that I was saying before about shit. lineage. Yeah, like yeah. you can you can erase that kind of the queerness from from Bengali identity, but it doesn't change the fact that it's been there and it is there. Yeah, exactly. And like, um, I've I've yeah, I've met like Bengalis that you know just really have like serious um uh, internalized racism as well, just because they just. They well because they had some serious trauma at home, and it was trauma that was linked to their identity of being Bengali, yeah, being yeah, a poor yeah. Bengali, Bengali woman. It <coughs> has to be said that Bengali guys, like 
for example, my my brothers or or cousin brothers and whatever, they they were allowed to be out in the world, whereas girls are just kind of shunned. And that's why it's like even having yeah. odd group, like how do how do we like there's we're having a conversation about how do we create day events because like being Bengali siblings who are cis women aren't like they can't come out at night they can't come out at night and it's just like what am I what am I doing yeah. why am I hosting a, an evening mm. event when actually they can't even access it it's really conflicting yeah it is yeah yeah just wanted to give a, a shout out as well obviously you as an individual involved in so many other different projects as well like so obviously I've got like your little bio here. So it's like featured on multiple murals and the Docker um, Tribune magazine and multiple other magazines, including the Rights Collective podcast series. Like you've been doing a lot. Like, so hats off to you for like all that you've been involved in. Um, do you mind just telling pe- the listeners like where they can find you or the organizations that you're part of if they think that, um, you could maybe help them in their journey or um, they could relate to what you're involved yeah, sure. <clears throat> I think the best way to like um, have a chat with us would be Oddwood Queer Bangla. Um, that's the Instagram handle, Oddwood Queer Bangla. Um, and like I've made a link tree for that as well, actually. So we've got like um, a document on Google which highlights, you know, um, imprisonment laws in Bangladesh, 377 conversation, like other organizations like Blast, uh, which is, in, they're incredible in Bangladesh. Um, they're a legal advisory like organization that help men and women. They, they're working on like reforming the rape law and um, they've just had so many incredible conversations and um, movements um, in Blast. They're, they're great um that's like other instagram um accounts if you don't mind could i give them a shout out yeah definitely go for it like uh, gendered intelligence is incredible they're uk based um they gave like trans uh group and tra- well trans awareness uh posts and stuff they're really good with that um alok manon is an activist they're they're um an activist and author based in the u.s um, LGBT, uh, LGBTQ outside is um, a London LGBTQI plus um, community shelter um, uh, for, you know, that I think it's for domestic abuse refuge as well, because um, there is domestic abuse in, <laughs> in queer relationships as well, right? Um, and yeah, and, the, and there's a Queer Muslim project as well, which is an interesting one for you guys, if anyone wanted to check that out as well. Yeah. Great. And me, I'm just Mercury underscore done. Yeah, honestly, Wait. like, as, as especially as a Bengali, like, the work that you're doing, honestly, like, I am... We, I really commend it. I'm really proud of it because I understand how critical it is, but also how difficult it is. So just keep going. <laughs> All right, welcome back to Mango Masala, the South Asian <coughs> show. Uh, my name is Gerns, joined here by Simran and Halima, and we are now going to delve into the most recent goings-on in Bangladesh, particularly pertaining to recent mob attacks that have been happening happening um, on the Bangladeshi Hindu community. A little bit of background. Bangladesh is a predominantly Muslim country. I think it's about 90% Muslims. Um, and then I think it's like 8 or 9% Hindus. Um 
the country is like historically um before like kind of the Mughals came in it was historically a Hindu country so like most most Muslims in Bangladesh like if you trace your lineage far back enough like they they, they were all, we were all Hindu basically but most of us anyway um <clears throat> so I, I I don't know I don't want to kind of be ignorant and be like yeah the, the, the two communities live mostly in kind of like harmony because it's not it's kind of like everyday everyday kind of relationships yeah they are in harmony but then also um that like Bangladesh in general because obviously it's a majority Muslim country there is a lot of um discrimination against minorities and that's not just specifically for Hindus any other any other minorities like you know I've spoken a bit before about the indigenous communities in Bangladesh and how they're treated and various ethnic groups and you know Christians and all that kind of stuff um in the in the past like decade maybe um uh, th- there has been a growing prominence of um, militant uh, Islamic groups in Bangladesh. Um, and obviously the country, there are certain demographics of the country that are becoming more and more militant in their expression of what Islam, what they perceive Islam to be, right? Um, and as a result of that, that has obviously caused more kind of like clashes and tensions between the Hindu and Muslim communities. Now, recently, um, was it like a week and a half ago, two weeks ago? Yeah, I think now it was Durga Puja, which is basically October. Yeah, yeah. So Durga Puja, so about two weeks ago now. Durga Puja is um like like I think the most um like significant religious festival for Bengali Hindus. It's like a it's a specific Bengali Hindu like festival, right? Um. And during Durga Puja, there was uh, mass attacks by um, Bengali Muslims, certain Bengali Muslims. It started in Komila, um, like a district in Bangladesh, um, and they basically like burned and looted um, a number of Hindu temples, Hindu homes. Um, there was violence towards Hindu individuals. Um, there were, you know, I think instances, trigger warning, instances of like um, rape against some Hindu women um and yeah it, it yeah tensions just have been ongoing um for the past two weeks I think I don't I don't know the complete details of it but I think basically something had happened where um the Muslims they the Muslims who 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 did the attacks they said that it was because a Quran was found inside a Hindu temple and they were like oh my god that's so disrespectful they they disrespected us first we were just reacting but then I think it was found that it was actually a Muslim man who put that Quran there it so was to instigate tensions and and and, and a mob attack um between the you know between the two communities um and I mean to be honest it's kind of like even though the history is really dense and the history there's a lot to talk about kind of the histories of between the two communities and why the relationships are the way they are today in in light of in in regards to like recent events there's actually only one thing really to say there's only one stance to take which is to condemn the attacks right which is to stand in solidarity with the the, with the with Hindu Bangladeshis um there has obviously, in light of it, been conversation around Bangladesh becoming a secular country again. So the founding constitution of Bangladesh in 1971 was a secular constitution because obviously the fact that, you know, there was a sizable Hindu population. By the way, guys, when I say nine, ten percent, that's that's like nine percent of 160 million people, you know, which yeah, is still yeah. It's, it's, it's that, that's like 16 million people, do you know what I mean? Like in Bangladesh that are Hindu. Um, specifically where I'm from in Silla, it's like the demographic is like 20% Hindu. So yeah. I've always kind of like always been around um, 
um, in Hindu people, Hindu communities. And, and in my experience, it's always been kind of, it's pe- peaceful, right? But then again, I understand that that might be my privilege as part of a majority speaking right but um yeah there's been some conversations about the constitution becoming secular again and some people are really angry about a lot of a lot of Bangladeshi people are angry about it you know Bangladesh is a Muslim country and you know it should be a Muslim it basically changed like I said from a secular to a Muslim constitution and now they're talking about changing it back to a secular constitution and people are really angry because they think that Bangladesh is a Muslim country but like it's not (laughs) it's actually not like I mean okay it is in the sense that like it's a Muslim majority country but then that's still 16 million people in your country that are not muslim yeah. um like i can see have... as as well that it was um it's gone for, obviously it's nine percent in hindu now but in 1947 it was 30% hindu so when you think right, about that right, right, right. change like... a lot of a lot of a lot of um bangladeshi hindus have um moved across the border moved across the western border into when into um Bengal, like Calcutta, a lot of like Bangladeshi Muslims, um, <clears throat> into the state of West Bengal. <coughs> Sorry, um, a lot of have immigrated abroad, um, specifically for the reason that they do not feel safe as a Hindu in Bangladesh, um, because of how bad the extremism is. And again, it's a very similar and and, and obviously this is this. I'm, we're talking specifically about. Um, violence against Hindus right but also if you're looking at the wider politics of it and I'm going to have a similar conversation that I had about the indigenous people because it's the same principle right it's the principle of majority and minority and belonging and who gets to belong and who doesn't get to belong and it's the idea of if you do you know the way Bangladeshi nation was built and you know if you do not look if you are not a certain thing, if you want to, if you are not a Bangladeshi Muslim you do not belong within the mainstream consciousness of what makes a Bengali um, which is a complete, completely like injustice to the liberation movement, right? It was founded on the basis of a secular um, constitution because that is what Bangladesh is. Like Bangladesh is supposed to be inclusive. It's supposed to like somebody, somebody who is Hindu is just as much a like their entire lineage is in that country. Do you know what I mean? Like they why is it now because they're not Muslim that they're suddenly not Bengali? Is is Muslimness what now defines Bengal Bangladeshi identity, right? And it's and it's really interesting because like so much of Bangladeshi culture is steeped in Hindu culture. You know, the reasons why the Pakistanis, when they were during, you know, their occupation of Bangladesh, were so ardently persecuting Bangladeshis was because we were too Hindu, right? And that is because, like, you know, what we perceive to be like traditional Bangladeshi culture is so intimately linked with Hindu culture. You can't, you can't escape that. You can't, like, you know, the people who are going out and they're wearing red and white saris and, and all of these things, like, that that is like Hindu culture, but it's, it's Bengali culture, right? And it's, it is an interesting conversation about kind of identities and and how how they all coalesce and stuff like that. But I'm going off on a tangent. Mm. Essentially, um, you know what what's going on in Bangladesh should be condemned. We do need to stand in solidarity with the um, Hindu population. For me, like I think it's such a massive shame that I didn't actually know that statistic, Carlos. Before you just said it now that there's been a decrease from like 30 to 9% in the space of what, like 70 years. Um, It is, it is really, really sad because it's like, that's their country, you know, they've, they've been there. Um, 
so I definitely 100% like we um, standing in solidarity with the Bangladeshi Hindus and condemning the, the attacks, the horrid. On on a global scale, do you think that the fact that in I'd say more places, I'd say in the majority of across the globe, there is this sense of a Hindu superiority, like the whole model minority Hindus were always looked to. <clears throat> I mean, then, there is, there is, yeah. But but then I think in light of that, do you reckon <clears throat> that's maybe why there's um obviously it's not justified but do you reckon maybe that's why there isn't as much of a rush to defense from the um muslim community in regards to backing hindus here because it's such a weird concept to actually see hindus as the oppressed mm. for once do you know what i mean i think i think if we're talking about the diaspora here or like or just the diaspora globally um well i mean i can i can really only speak mostly to a um a british bangladeshi perspective which is that most of the british bangladeshi diaspora is muslim right um and most haven't you know um been or spent as much time in bangladesh so they don't even understand the fact that like Bangladeshi Hindus are a, a sizable portion of the country's demographic at large. You know, if you're not even aware of 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 the significance of a demographic, how are you then supposed to resonate with with the struggles of that demographic? I think that's the first thing. If we're talking about kind of lack of um, uh, uh, support or lack of understanding, is the fact that most most kind of British Bangladeshi Muslims don't even realise, you know, that that this is this is the case. And again, like you know, before how I was saying that, oh, me too. You know, when I go to Bangladesh and I see most of the communities in harmony, I do understand that that is that you know some of that is also coming from my own place of privilege because. If there was discrimination towards Hindus, why would I see it? I'm not a Hindu. Do you know what I mean? Um, so I think that's kind of the first instance. <laughs> In terms of the global, like non-Bangladeshi response to it, I wouldn't necessarily say it's that's actually got anything to do with religion, to be honest with you. I think it's more to do with the fact that they're Bangladeshi because, you know, a Bangladeshi Hindu is still a Bangladeshi person. And, you know, I've spoken a lot about how Bangladeshi people are just seen... <sighs> as disposable right um yeah, yeah I, I think that's it's, it's it's more a racial thing than, than a religious thing i would say in terms of like the the global response you know the non-bangladeshi response is is, is what i would say <coughs> yeah um simran anything to add i think to your point carlos it's interesting like you said to see it flip because the perspective that I can only speak on is as a Punjabi, where historically, like for centuries, that we have been oppressed by India, you know, you know, non-Punjab India, which happens to be like a majority Muslim, uh, sorry, Hindu country. You know, the Modi's government recently and the Godi media and everything that's been going on in the last year alone. You know, we've spoken about one of my first episodes on the show was uh, just the farmers protest show. So it's an interesting perspective to take to see that situation flipped and like you said like I do agree that perhaps it hasn't gained the traction maybe it deserves because people don't know what to do with the situation because it's never been this way around or at least to them like so yes, yes, yeah. To them. yeah it's novel I think it's going to be 
interesting like to see how speaking from like the diaspora here and globally like you said how their reactions are going to play out now based on if the situation intensifies or not to be honest you can't rely on sources that provide you news that you've considered to be mainstream all your life because they don't give you the proper rundown these days or they don't give you any information at all like I like I said like not to bring it back to the farmers protest but that was something that was so big and ongoing it still is ongoing for a year and doesn't make the news here you can't turn on your tv and expect to see that no matter how many protests happen in central London and Manchester and Birmingham you cannot you cannot expect to turn on your tv and see something covering that news topic you have to rely on your own sources and your own like your own research and finding your own sources of media and ones that you trust yourself because you can't you can't switch on sky news these days and expect to see something like this because if it's not about the royal family they don't care yeah in your your opinion yeah (laughs) yeah i also do want to say like i'm not gonna go into this too much now because it's a whole other topic of conversation but like if anyone's listened to this and you know they are have been kind of inspired to go and do a little bit more research about it or if, if this has piqued their interest in any way like I would say also if we're talking about the kind of history history of of, of Bang Bangladeshi Muslims and Hindus and the relationship between the two communities we, we have to talk about colonialism and, and how it stoked religious tensions right between the two um, communities at large within the subcontinent but also kind of specifically within the borders of each South Asian country um and and we see it you, there is no doubt the fact that you know if there is what well, i mean there is you know that the vitriol sorry there is no doubt that the vitriol there is from bangladeshi muslims towards bangladeshi hindus a, a big part of that can be traced back to you know as a legacy of colonialism mm-hmm. so if anyone is going to go and read anything about it make sure you that is a consideration that you make I think it's important to note that because we look at these tensions and how they come up. And like you said, like, as far as like, you know, even though you said it was a place of privilege that Bangladesh does, that Bangladesh does live in a certain amount of harmony with the communities and the way they mix. When these tensions do arise, it's important to note that they do root back to reasons that come from colonialism and colonial pasts. And it's ironic in a sense, because that's how, that's the reason for colonialism in the first place. And that's why it created these like sub-community tensions within the country themselves. We can't live yeah. in India and we can't all mix. So the same with Pakistan, Afghanistan, Bangladesh. They don't, there's so many like racial divides and um, religious divides. And this was created intentionally by the British Empire. Mm-hmm. So, it, so we could mm-hmm. never like, thrive, I guess, to, for lack of a better word. <coughs> yeah, 100%. 100%. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, obviously, I think this might sound um, obvious to anyone that's ever, like, studied or whatever, but I know, like, it took me a while, like, as a teenager to understand that, I think, just in general, history, like, like who writes history? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's literally, like, uh, we all know Quite who well. writes history. Yeah, exactly. And also, like, in terms of, like, written what what's written down like it took me a while to actually realize like wait like the, there's the, these people are saying there's different things yeah exactly yeah. like it, it's it's not just like well, you read and like all the facts are there yeah like i don't don't take what you read like for granted actually yeah. verify your sources and decide yeah. like okay this is yourself. yeah 
It's the same thing yeah. going back to like news. You can't turn on Sky News and you can't open a textbook and expect that to be the exact word for word, like play by play thing that happened 300 years ago. A, it was 300 years ago and B, it's written mm-hmm. from the perspective, likely going to be some white cishet man mm-hmm. in that textbook and it's now going to teach you it in GCSE history. Like you have to be able to find your own media and formulate your own opinions. Yeah, 100. To finish the show off today, I believe <laughs> you have your podium now to go in on the music industry so go for it well, I literally had to message on the group chat and ask Carlos if this was okay to talk about because I'm really afraid that I'm going to catch corn <laughs> well but oh go on well you know like I'm disclaimer I'm not I'm not involved don't don't catch corn with me <laughs> okay I can get the receipts Carlos and show them that you agreed with me no comment Ooh. Anyway, um, okay, so no one come for me. Okay, these opinions are just my own. And I, you know, I have been busy. I haven't been able to scroll Spotify the way I normally do. Um, no SpongeBob playlists. Oh, I made a new SpongeBob playlist today. Oh my gosh. This is, why, this is why it came into my mind. This is the whole reason. No, no, no. But basically, I ran out of SpongeBob characters at like playlist number 15. I'm at playlist 30 now. So it was Scooby Doo. That's cool. Thank you. Um, anyway, that's so beside the point. Um, I guess it came from this playlist, and it has been on my mind probably since I'd say a week or two weeks before Donda and CLB dropped. So it's been a while. Um, music is dead at the moment. The music scene is dry. Nothing is capturing my attention the way music used to. And there's two points to this. The first, the first point is that. I think the music scene is generally a little dry right now. Like there isn't a lot of like hot releases. There's no big, big artists except Drake and Kanye that are coming out like with full on albums. It would be like one song here and there. Like I know Skepta just released a plugged in freestyle. Like it's like a one little tick, like like one little song here and there. And then, you know, like smaller, like medium sized artists are doing a couple of projects. But you know, I don't know. It just hasn't been popping as much as it like normally feels like it does. And then the other side of it is I think that that the music industry especially in like rap trap hip-hop uk rap is starting to get very saturated especially like mainstream american rap so saturated but we've been knew that when you say saturated what do you mean like every day there's a new artist there's a new person with a new um album and an ep and a mixtape and a single and tiktok plays a part in this we've spoken about this before that a song goes viral on tiktok and that's it that artist blows for however many weeks months maybe you know um and they gain a lot of traction which is not a bad thing i'm not saying that's a bad thing but because of the amount of variety there is right now nothing feels special anymore Mm -hmm. i remember like being younger and the, the the week of a new like I don't know J Cole album for example that would oh my god that was like the week of my year like it would be the highlight when that album would come out I remember walking around school with my headphones on between classes like just listening to like half a song just because I had to listen to it all day like my headphones were in constantly like or like when a Drake album dropped or a Kendrick Lamar album dropped any, anyone it was I just feel like music was more special before and now people are a putting things out because they know it's gonna bang like for example the song way too sexy by drake like you know you they make those songs because they know it's a club bang and they know it's gonna get millions of hits they know that people are gonna bop their head to it like it's a very formulated song it doesn't there's no real you know 
passion in it. We don't need there to be passion anymore. No one needs the passion. No one's into that anymore. So fair enough. But there's no, there doesn't feel like there's a lot of heart in music anymore. And maybe that's my bias and I'm listening to the wrong kind of stuff. But from my perspective, that's how I see it. Yeah. I feel you. I mean, just thinking that when you're saying oh, no one's doing emotion anymore, my mind immediately went, oh, wait, but um, Adele's new music. But then even with Adele, like in my opinion, her new song that she's released, I really like it. Um, but mm-hmm. it's, to me, it's just so predictable. Like, yeah. obviously, I, obviously, we have to wait and see what the rest of her album is going to be like. But at the same time, like, and obviously we know she does that really well, but is it, is that, are, are we just going to get like piano ballads for the rest of Adele? You know what I mean? Yeah. And I have to preface this actually and say that my taste in music, while I do think it is quite varied, I do favour heavily towards urban music, rap and trap and hip hop and that kind of stuff. So I am speaking from a slightly biased perspective here, but like in regards to Adele, like I remember watching a video and this guy doesn't do music, he makes like cooking videos, but he was talking about how people really like this one really specific type of content from him. And he's like, I can't do that for every video because as a creative, you have to diversify, vary your palette and you have to just, that's the only way you can grow, not just as a creator, but as a person and as an artist, like you have to keep challenging yourself and setting yourself new boundaries and working outside of your comfort zone. And fair enough, if Adele wants to make a piano ballad the rest of her life, get your bag. You know, fair enough, if Drake wants to make every single song way too sexy, get your bag. You know, it's going to work. There's always going to be a market for that kind of stuff. So I understand why music has gone in that direction or it seems like it's gone in that direction. I just don't think, to me, it doesn't feel as authentic anymore. Yeah, definitely not. I'm it's, I'm waiting furiously on the new Travis Scott album, which I think is a bit washed to say after I've just gone on, on a right about like, music being authentic and emotional. Kind of, one of my favourite artists of this Travis Scott, like, come on, Zimmerman. But I'm waiting furiously on Utopia. But also Kendrick Lamar. I am super excited. That is that is that that is um an example of growth. His new two features on Baby Keem's songs, amazing, amazing. I love Baby Keem right now. We have the same birthday. <laughs> You know, <laughs> I DM'd him. I said, happy birthday, twin. He didn't reply. <laughs> anyway. That's, Surprise. That's <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think that's an example of setting yourself a challenge as an artist and trying something new and, like, testing the waters in a different, obviously not a different genre, but, like, a different subgenre a little bit. Like, going from Kendrick Lamar, who was very, like, woke rap, like, very hard-hitting resemblant of you know the roots of rap many decades ago in America like it was very like to that flavor and now he's gone kind of in the opposite direction like Baby Keem came out as kind of like mumble rapper one just another another one of those kind of like sound cloudy type ones and then not only has he come out with a whole new flow like kind of a little bit on his like woke bag but also he is such a good rapper he's shown everyone how talented he is but then Kendrick Lamar kind of going more towards the like meme baby keem like side of rap and showing that people that he can do both as well but still be Kendrick Lamar I don't know I just think that's really authentic and that's really cool to see him turn into a different kind of person different kind of artist 
I mean, I really can't comment, but like, I'm going to take from what you've said just now. I was like, yes, I agree. <laughs> I, I, you know what? I always say this. Like, I, whenever we speak about music, the conversation for me always comes back to The weekend, And I just think he's such a 10-10 artist. Like, there's just no flaws with The weekend. Literally, no. And, like, I don't like a lot of The weekend songs. From, like, 2016 onwards, I'm not a huge fan of, like, kind of a lot of the songs that came out on his albums from then on. I wasn't, like, I don't bop them, you know? But I can just respect him so much as a person from 2012 when Trilogy dropped to who he is now doing Super Bowl. I know so many people want to say, oh, he sold out, he lost his sound, you know, Trilogy and Kissland were so unique, and they were. And yes, he went down a more mainstream route, but no one can tell me that they wouldn't also do that in, in his position. And also, he's just the, he's just literally the epitome of someone who's been every type of person that he can possibly be, and he's still probably got 10 more personalities to go. I love that for him. Well, I mean, have you not seen all those prosthetic things that he does? Okay, it's first of all, the weekend wins Halloween every year. Uh, who who was that? I, I don't watch films. I don't I'm know. My father. I'm yeah, I thought, sure I, I thought so. Yeah. Don't come me if it's not, but I'm pretty sure. I, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Godfather, unless I've gotten him confused with someone else. That's find it scary. I was but... so good though. The costume was so good. He's amazing. His costumes actually are sick. Yeah. I was supposed to see him next year. It got cancelled. Well, cancelled or postponed? No, so I booked the tickets in 2019 for 2020. Obviously, that got postponed for current to 2021. Then they postponed that one to 2022. And then I got an email last week saying it's just been cancelled. Uh-huh. Oh, well, at least you get money back. Able. Yeah. It's now <laughs> like free money because it was so long ago. Fair enough. Um, Obviously. Obviously, you were talking again about like um, rap, hip hop, trap, etc. But even from the perspective of mainstream music as well, I've just got the like the chart up now, and I'm just looking at it, and I'm just a bit like, I miss the day. Like, literally, go back to like ten years or fifteen years ago, and like look at the chart, and it's just so much. Uh... But you know what? I was going to say, this is our age showing and that, you know, it's a new genre of people that they have to market to, you know, talk about thinking about like young teens and how much they make an impact on sales and how much they contribute to the amount of streams and buys and plays that music gets. It's true on the one hand, but when we were that age, we were listening to the music that everyone listens to, and no matter what age, music wasn't just marketed to us, you know, like 16 and under or whatever. Like, I was listening to whatever music, and so were people in their 20s and 30s, you know? Yeah, I get what you're saying. It wasn't individual, whereas now I feel like if I told my 14-year-old cousin, oh, my God, play me some songs that you're into at the moment, I'd literally be like... No, nah, I don't like Simran. You'll know them off from TikTok. <laughs> it's true though. Oh, I'm here. Let me put you onto a let me put you onto an artist. An artist. Little candy paint, guys. Lil so pa- Candy Paint. Okay. I know I just went on this whole rant about music not being authentic and emotionless, but listen, my little candy paint is doing the thing. I love him. Right. And yeah, one of his songs went viral because it's but I found him before that, just saying. Right, you heard Simran, guys. Everyone go check out Lil Candy Paint. So good. He's actually really good. 
Like he's not, he's not like a little SoundCloud mumble rapper. You know, everyone's like, oh, another little whatever comes out every other week is, is kind of true. But look, Kanye plays kind of hard. Should we end the episode on it? Yeah, can we? <laughs> yeah, go on, introduce it. Thanks. Oh. Th- oh, before we do that, thanks for tuning in, guys, for another episode of Mango Masala. <laughs> we'll be back next week. <laughs>